Love Talk Radio. Episode number 257. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. We uh, have been away a little while, but we are back. It is 10 p.m. on March the 1st, 2016. It is time for Ready to Unload with Colin St. Pete. Coming to you live from Comac, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and Newtown, Pennsylvania. Yes, that's right. I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro, the aforementioned San Pete. Um, and welcome to the program. Um, we have a huge show for you tonight. Eventually, as soon as Cal and PJ join us, uh, but it's a great one. We have a lot to talk about. The Mets are riding horses and driving fancy cars and taking victory laps. Apparently, according to one particular beat writer who wanted to throw water all over the fact that the Mets are having fun. Apparently, that's not allowed. Uh, so we'll check that out. Spring training games start on Thursday. The Yankees are all quiet on the Tampa front. Very odd. Until Aroldis Chapman was suspended 30 games by Major League Baseball and didn't appeal. Not a great look. So we'll talk about that. And then the Jets have franchised Mo Wilkerson. What does that mean for the Jets? Are they going to trade him? Are they going to keep him? What are they going to do? Football never stops. The combine was this past weekend, and it never stops. So we will talk about that a little bit. And then the Islanders, with about 20 games left, the trade deadline yesterday in the NHL really came and went without anybody really going anywhere. We will talk about the Islanders and the Rangers with about 22 games left to play. So this is all coming up. I'm ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete. New York Sports Talk podcast. Welcome. It's, uh, it's a lovely night. We're about to hit spring. I'll tell you a little bit about the podcast. It's me and Cal and our buddy PJ. Cal and I talk a lot about sports. Not a big deal. Um, we don't argue. We don't fight. Occasionally, voices get raised, and I sound like Jay Leno. But other than that, not really much. Um, and it's, you know, just talking sports. It's not a big deal. Look, politics are happening right now. The presidential election season, it's insane. That's happening. That's where you want to fight. In here, we're talking about sports. Meh. There's no need to yell, my friends. Uh, so, um, no, we just we, we hang out and we talk about sports. The boys will be here in a second. I um, I am coming off a uh, – I just was shopping, which uh, I'm sure will thrill everybody. Uh, we're coming off a, a, a lovely weekend away with some friends. Never sort of do that kind of thing. And I went tubing for the first time at Camelback Mountain. Tubing. I have uh, never been skiing in my life. This is a well-known fact. Everybody else was going to try to go skiing, and I decided that I would try tubing. So uh, a friend of mine, me and uh, my buddy Nello, without any alcohol involved, 
went tubing, and um, it was awesome. <laughs> it was totally cool. It was really, it was very fast. I, my five year old wanted to go, and then he got a look at the hill, and he said, "Not so much." And it's probably a good thing. It's very fast, uh, but it was a great time. And um, also, um, in, in <laughs> uh, while we're discussing things I've never done before, last week on Tuesday, I attempted to play ice hockey. So there's a weird thing that goes on when you attempt to play a sport and you're not going to be good at it. And uh, preface this by saying that I know how to skate. I know how to ice skate a little bit. I used to play a ton of roller hockey, um, even in college, and I, I played goalie at one point on skates and stuff. like. Um, and I know a lot about hockey, and I played a ton of hockey as a kid, but never ice hockey. So uh, last week I decided I was going to take a clinic at the same place that my son is uh, playing hockey. There he's learning to play hockey, and he loves it. And he's, he's a little skipper out there, and he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's good. So they have this clinic, this adult clinic, and uh, it's supposed to be like you know, um, 40 minutes of like skating or teaching you how to skate, and then uh, a scrimmage. Uh, it turns out that was for the first six classes. I missed those, <laughs> and I went in uh, to a scrimmage, a full-on, full Monty scrimmage. Um, so I, I got all suited up in hockey gear that mind you, I put on exactly one other time in my life for a stick and shoot, stick and puck, whatever with my brother. Um, so I'm watching the other guys get dressed. I got there a little late, paid my 25 bucks and I'm like, this is, this looks like a game. Um, and, uh, I got all dressed up and, uh, one guy was nice enough to talk to me and say, Hey, look, we're all a bunch of new guys here. We're all learning to play. So it's not that big a deal. Come out there. You'll have some fun. It's, you know, no referees or anything like that. It's just a scrimmage. So I got all dressed up in all my uh, hockey gear. I only had two jerseys. I didn't have a practice jersey. I had um, my New York Islanders jersey, uh, a vintage uh, blue, great-looking jersey that actually is a hockey jersey. And I have a um, Rogue Squadron Star Wars custom jersey that my brother got for me for Christmas that has Sam Pete in huge letters on the back and the number six. And it's a, uh, I wear it at Christmas. I brought those two with me, and uh, I decided, uh, being in near Philadelphia, I wasn't going to get my ass kicked uh, right then. So I wore the Star Wars jersey, which was a mistake. So anyway, I went out there. Um, the guys were skating around. I missed the warm-up period, which would have been good. Um, and I just stood off to the side and watched them as they started to play. And then the goaltender kind of waved me on. He's like, come on, you know, come on. It's not that big a deal, blah, blah, blah. I was standing off to, to the side. So I skate out there. I go to a bench. It's uh, light jerseys versus uh, dark jerseys. And I go to the light jersey side because I got my uh, my sweet Star Wars jersey on. And guy's like, wow, this guy must know how to play. He's got a ridiculously nice jersey on, which is not at all true. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I, I get out there. I let the other guys take shifts. I tell them, you know, I've never really played before. I'm going to try my best right now. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'll take a shift or whatever. Um, and I let it happen. And then I go out there and it's, it, it is loose. It's definitely, you know, they're not really keeping score. There's no referees or anything. And I go out there for the first shift, my first ever hockey shift. And um, it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. I think I was minus 32 uh, in that first shift. Um, and 
I it turns out the, the rollerblading, like being really good at rollerblading, does not translate. Especially really good at rollerblading twenty years ago does not translate. Um, I was falling all over the place. I managed to stay up a little bit, um, and I was playing defense. Guy, you know, just abused me. Um, went right around me. It turns out it's difficult to skate backwards. That's another thing. Um, but it was fun. It was great. So I took a couple more shifts, like two more shifts, and then I waited till like the very end of the scrimmage when everybody was completely ragged and guys were like leaving and stuff. And then I took two or three shifts. And um, here's the end of the story uh, because Cal and PJ are ready to join us. Um, I tell you this because at age 41, it is unbelievably humbling uh, especially having been uh, a college athlete at one point in my life uh, and really good at baseball. I was really good at baseball once upon a time um, to go out and completely suck at a sport. Like if I went and played in a basketball pickup game, I know I would suck. I wouldn't do it. Like I have no desire to do it, but I could at least get out of my own way. I could at least get out of my own way. This was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It was a ton of fun, but I have far to go to be a competent ice hockey player um, that it it was eye-opening and I'm not going to say it it led me to some sort of epiphany about middle age or something like that Uh, but needless to say I found a uh, hardball wood bat fast pitch baseball team to play with the next day as it becomes evident that Man, these guys, it's unbelievable just to get good enough. And I obviously need a skating clinic. But it was fun. It was fun. Fell on my ass a number of times. I did touch the puck. I made one good pass. You know, the hands are there. Just the the feet can't get to where they need to get to. Okay. Anyway, I wanted to tell that story uh, because um, it was fun. It was a good time. And yet unbelievably humbling and sucky. Um, and difficult for me to handle on an emotional and mental level. Okay, um, time for the time for the podcast. Let's bring in the co-host of the program. He is here. He is uh, he's real and he's spectacular. He is Mr. Brian Calnevi Calpino Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hello. How's Kel. it going? Hi, Kel. Hi. What's up, buddy? How's it going? Uh, it's really good. Did you hear my little story there? I did. It's a great story. I was vamping. Well, you were telling a story. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody was in the room when the program began. I figured it was this or dead air. Well, but this was a story that you were wanting to tell, so it worked out perfectly. I thought about telling it to you guys. I told you the story earlier in the week. You did tell me. Yes. I knew the story, but now everybody else does. But it's a good story. Thank you. How are you? Good. It's good to hear your voice, man. Uh, While we were away, you had a birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. How did did that birthday go? How does it feel to be the first, uh, basically to be Jackie Robinson, to hit 42? That's, yeah, so I'm just breaking down barriers everywhere I go now. <laughs> You're a total so, trailblazer. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> We're not insinuating uh, that Cal is any sort of trailblazer. No, let's not get let's not get letters. Um, letters. Yeah, they're gonna write in. They're gonna write in. Um, how was your birthday? Did you have a cake? Nice. Did you have a cake? No, no, just kind of, kind of came and went. No cake. 
no cake, no. Uh, Why was there not a cake? Huh? You had dance, right? For your girls, not you, right. No, I had a, I had the sick kid that I was home with, and right. a uh, and another kid dancing. So about the sick kid being home, because that, that seems a little. Yeah, that's not right. I feel no, like no. <laughs> no, that's not cool. She's she's mischievous, but she's not mean spirited. So yeah, Emma's not. Yeah, she's not mean spirited. I'm uh, I'm calling you on the Facetime. How do you like that? So we can see each other. Hmm. I need to. I need to see that facha. All right. That facha brute. Um, I can't believe you didn't have a cake. How do you not have a cake? It just didn't come up. There was no, no opportunity for it. So the people that you live with, nobody wanted to get involved with a cake. No. I mean, my kids look for any excuse at all to have a cake. My kids are not really. Um, that's the best way to put it. Interested? They don't really care. They don't really understand that other people exist in the world <laughs> other than the two of them. Wow. But that's it's just it's a phase. It's just an age. Sure. Well, maybe maybe no. uh maybe next year. Well, we'll see. I'll keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> hey, we got a lot of sports to talk about, so let's bring PJ in. Don't you think? That's Obviously. It was a big weekend for him. He's a big sports guy. Let's get him in. Well, no, that's not, that's not why. Oh, no. Is that, do it's I have that wrong? Of, you do, because of the Oscars. That's why. There he is. Starting the long it's approach. My, it's my music now. <laughs> He's co-opted it. We're taking it back. Just like the country. Are you going to make that music great again, PJ? He has the best music, great music. It's, You're going to love gonna his music. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so great. You don't You're even gonna know. Love, You're going to love his music. We have so many good people. There's going to be so many good things. We're going to make so the much, podcast great again. So much great podcasting. Um, hey, Peej, welcome, uh, welcome uh, to the podcast there. You're live in Freehold, New Jersey. Is that correct? I am in Freehold, Freehold, Freehold. Wow. You said something that, about that having a... reverb is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and as we've covered on this show, anytime you talk about reverb, you need to mention Eddie Grant and Electric Boogaloo. Right. <laughs> Electric Avenue. Electric Avenue, sorry. Electric you Boogaloo. Electric Out Boogaloo. in the street. Boom. Mr. <laughs> I have a crap ton of reverb for an E Grant. <laughs> where should I where should I leave this? Um, oi! Um, leave it out in the street. Get it? Is that Jacko <laughs> from the Energizer commercial? <laughs> Jacko. Um, not this, doing this again. This is all well covered. Not doing down. it again. You said you had rehearsal tonight. What did you have rehearsal for? It was for one of the kids. Were you rehearsing what for one of the kids? One of my children is starring in The Little Mermaid as what? Scuttle the Funny Seagull. Wait, hold on, hold on. Isn't the All star right. of The Little Mermaid The Little Mermaid? Yes, but there's a supporting cast. <laughs> it's a very big supporting role. I apologize. Thank you. <laughs> 
who's starring as the Little Mermaid, and does Dan have a crush on her? Uh, she's adorable. Okay, but does Dan have a crush on her? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get him interested. Right. In, interested in girls in general or interested in this particular uh, girl that you find adorable? Pointing him towards the the really fabulous ones. Like, here's one. She's whip smart and pretty. Let's go. Whip smart and pretty. Is it 1946 <laughs> that you're trying to get him interested in girls? Yes. Why, she's she's the moon and the stars. You should really be interested in her, kid. That's right. I'll wear my high pants and suspenders. <laughs> you should take it to the Copa. Really shoot the moon. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's 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 challenging to see your son dressed in a full seagull suit with feathers and a skull cap, steampunk style, and a vest. Why is, wait, why is that challenging? It's a little challenging. Why? Are you afraid he's going to adopt this as a daily, you know, his outfit? <laughs> Dan, Sometimes. get out of the seagull costume, Dan. Out. <laughs> Out. Sometimes you just think, well, did I push him too far too fast? <laughs> I am, uh, I for one am proud of him. When does this production go up? I may have to come see this. Uh, curtain opens on Thursday. This Thursday? The one. Oh, we are through the looking glass here, people. Were they in like a dress rehearsal tonight or what? Yeah. Yeah, tonight was first real dress with lights and and everybody, you know, really, really sharpening up their blocking. I mean, another opening, people. another show. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. Cal, Cal, can you speak to PJ about what it's like uh, uh, to be? I mean, I know the girls don't necessarily do theater, but they, they, they are dancing in competitions and recitals at a very high level. Can you talk PJ through this? What is it going to be like on Thursday night when when Dan hits the stage as the wisecracking? Is it a high by level? the way, I didn't realize it was a high level. That's a that's total typecasting, by the way. Your son as a wisecracking seagull. Yeah, yeah, I prepped him for that one. And I and the I mean wise- from the the seagull aspect, not the wise guy stuff. I had to explain to him who Buddy Hackett was. <laughs> How we are all kindred spirits with Buddy Hackett. It would be amazing if he came out and did a Buddy Hackett impression. Like, no one – but the parents would get it. None of the kids would get it. it would, but no, he's, he's been doing it. Oh, he's doing He's it. been doing – yes. He's been training himself. To do a have, Buddy Hackett impression? In as much as an 11-year-old can do it, yeah. He's walking around going, hiya, Ariel. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Cal, talk PJ through the nerves, man, right before the curtain there. Talk him through the nerves. There's a lot of nerves. Am I going to have to start smoking just to deal? Yes. Oh, no. (laughs) You you will find yourself smoking. You won't even realize that you started. Oh. Someone will let, sir, can you please put that out? And you won't even realize, you just, you have a cigarette in your hand. Just out of nowhere. You're going to sweat a lot. I, I don't know if you normally sweat. He does. Uh, no, you know what? I had the nervous dad sweats today. I did. Yeah. We could grow rice. Yeah. So you know. You know what it's like. If you have the nervous dad sweats for a dress rehearsal, 
It's not. It's not going to be. It's exhilarating though. Once once you get through it, once you get to the other side, you're going to be exhausted, and you're going to be <laughs> numb. But you're going to be like ready to lift a car. <laughs> Still talking about watching our kids perform, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm talking. I get it though. You swell. You swell with the pride. You get the adrenaline rush. You could you could go out and and lift a car. I get that. It, there is an adrenaline rush that you might not be prepared for. Yeah. It's a fascinating phenomenon. Being I'm not going like, to run up on the stage, am I? Am I going to just lose control, lose all composure, start cheering no. in the middle of the show? No, somehow, somehow you maintain composure. Where you think you do, um, <laughs> your, your child will tell you afterwards if you embarrass them or not. <laughs> like in the middle of the song, if I leap up on the chair and start yelling, that's my boy, that's my boy, that will not be tolerated. You might not have control over that. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, my cat says hello. Your cat? You didn't hear that? No. She just walked right up to the phone. She's like, meow. Your cat will be very nervous as well. Cat Williams is also very nervous. Cat Stevens is nervous. That? William Cat is nervous. Everybody is very nervous about this performance. I would lo- I would love to walk in there and just see Cat Williams waiting for the sitting, show to begin. Sitting next to William Cat. <laughs> in the cat in the cat Hello, section. Pimp. In the cat right. section. Boy, they're all here. They're all here. <laughs> all the cats. <laughs> Mr. Katz, Dr. Katz. And it's a performance of The Little Mermaid, not Katz. That's correct. Oh. <laughs> Are you gentlemen in the wrong theater? I believe, I believe you've come to the wrong middle school production, my friend. <laughs> Katz, Cat Williams is going to love it. I can't do it that way. This is, uh, this is grade school still, not even middle school. What? Do you That's mean? The, uh... what? He's in middle school, Swear to you, he's in fifth grade. I demand a recount. Wow! I swear that—that's wow. That's ambitious, big, Little Mermaid. He's a big fifth grader, by the way, which makes the <laughs> costume even more hilarious. All the other kids are in kid costumes. My son is in a men's medium. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the stage. People are going to think it is Buddy Hackett. He's bigger than one of the sets. <laughs> You know the big rock that Ariel sits on? They had to make it bigger. They're going to be like, why did they get a high school kid to do this? That's not right. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Ariel, you should... His voice it. hasn't changed yet. <laughs> when it's time to change. He's got two songs. It's the expanded what? version of The Little Mermaid for Stage is the version they wrote for Broadway that didn't go anywhere. Right, and they they made uh, the songs a little bit shorter, and they then they uh, uh, you know tempered down the dialogue a little bit. He's got two solos, two solos, and a tap number. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, you're gonna be a disaster! I I think I'm gonna have to start smoking now. Now that you mentioned it, (laughs) start smoking in advance two days early. I just lit one up. I don't even know what happened. I just I'm holding a cigarette right now. How am I holding a cigarette right now? I'm very nervous. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, when we come back own. for the 
when we come back for the fun, though, can we talk about the Oscars, your old pal Oscar? I um I do want to talk about the Oscars, but I also want to talk about a movie, two movies I've just seen. Okay. One of which is Concussion. Just now? Yes. Just wow. I saw Concussion today. Oh my god. Real? Oh, well, that's almost even related to sports too. Tell the truth. <laughs> Tell the truth. Yeah, we all we all killed Will Smith right there. Good job, everybody. Killed it. Nailed it. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I want to talk about that. I also have a food question for you guys in the fun load, of course. Terrific. Well, you like <laughs> the food wait. over there. I do. I like talking about food with you guys. It's my, it's one of my favorite things. And I have another story about how my wife ruined a perfectly good Mount Rushmore of food. So it's good. So many questions. So many questions. I'll be it really ready. is. It's like doing a, it's like doing a, what's your Mount Rushmore of food? Well, and then the 20 questions start. It's like playing with like a six-year-old. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's go to the sports because there's a lot. A lot. All right, don't we have, there it is. Christmas tree. Uh, uh, uh. I have very specific things to talk to you about, Brian. I'm looking forward to hearing them. Wait, wait, you don't get to play your music again. What? What? Re-entering? <laughs> That's PJ. He's smoking. He's very nervous. Um, okay, I tell so, you what, I'm look. I am looking forward to the the Wisecracking Seagulls, the new show on CBS. <laughs> Wisecracking Seagulls. It's yeah. about a Jewish family. Yeah. Why? <laughs> It's spelled S I E G E L S. Yes, the wise cracking seagulls. Wise cracking seagulls. Right. Right. <laughs> or C I C G A L S seagulls, like George Siegel. Right. Like George Siegel, oh. sure. However you want to pronounce it, it's fine. The wise cracking seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, the 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 nine year old kid right they got casual court. the wise right after casual court, the wise cracking seagull that they got to play the kid. He's good. I think that, that show's TV. actually called The Goldbergs. The, <laughs> that show's on TV. And I think it's called The Goldbergs. Uh, well, you know, it's a, it's a trend. They're just it is. programming. If it works, they come up with a new one. This is CBS's version of it, right? So like ABC right. has The Goldbergs. They have The Wisecracking Seagulls. Right. Um, so much uh, of the sports to talk, buddy. And I want to start right off the bat with um, – uh, the Mets today. And, right off and... the bat. Look what you just did. <laughs> I know. My bad. Shelly Siegel of the Wisecracking <laughs> Siegel. We're going to talk about the Mets right off the bat. You better get on the ball. We're about to talk about the Mets. <laughs> Terrible. Um, so Camp Funhouse. Camp uh, TV Funhouse. Camp uh, Victory Lap. Fun over there. I've decided to call it Camp Victory Lap. Camp Victory Lap? Yeah, because they're just taking this huge victory lap for the World Series. They didn't win, right? They're not allowed. Camp Cowabunga. Camp. Right. Like summer camp. That's where. That's where uh, Joshua Siegel goes from the (laughs) Wisecracking Seagulls. He goes to Camp Cowabunga. Um. So, and what we're talking about here is the Mets, um, and and specifically Ioannis Cespedes, 
Cal, over the last week, you know, since camp started, he's been coming in a different car every day. Then yesterday he bought a, what was it, like a $7,000 show hog that was in a fair. And then today mm-hmm. he and Noah Syndergaard, this being the sort of apex of them actually having a good time, um, arrived at, at camp on horses, on horseback. And all the players took turns riding the horses around. And it was it was fantastic. And everybody's loving it, and everybody's eating up Yohanna Cespedes, and and it's so great, and they're loose, and they're, but they're committed, and you know they're 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 arrogant right now. They know they're going to be good, and this is great. And then at about eh, one two o'clock, the cold water started to be sprayed on us like we were Dexy's Midnight Runners up against the wall. <laughs> Because they all need to be washed. That's a reference I don't get. You you wouldn't. It's in a really obscure joke. I don't know if I've ever told you. <laughs> Let me tell you now. So it, so I'd it love doesn't to hear it. sound like it doesn't sound like I'm because I can't imagine the context. I can't, like I'm advocating riot tactics against Dexy's Midnight Runners. Um, come on. So we were watching. Come on. So we were watching that uh, video years ago. Uh, yeah. In the old Power Street house, me and Terry Scannell and Kev and, and Woodsy uh, and um, uh, post college. And the videos on that's when you still used to watch MTV. It was like MTV, you know, 80s or something like that. Wait, that and MTV the video was on. That's correct. And uh, I think it was right before we were about to watch Real World San Francisco. And um, <laughs> with Puck, which is really the last one that anybody respectable watched. Um. And they play the video for uh, Come On Eileen, Dexy's Midnight Runners. And, and they look like the filthiest, like, hobo-looking, <laughs> like, just awful. Just like in rags. Yeah. like They just look like two cents worth of God help us. And it's like a 13-person band. And, like, everyone – so Terry, <laughs> Terry's, like, watching. He's like, these guys are filthy. Like, you think at some point, like, the director on the set was like, all right, uh, everybody, Dexy – Midnight Runners, everybody against the wall here. <laughs> We're just, just going to go ahead and hose you down because you're stinking up craft services. You're stinking up the whole table. Everybody, Dexy, Midnight Runners, let's go. <laughs> we just had this visual of like all of them like in their clothes, just being like hosed down. Just standing up against the wall. Yeah, just it. standing up against the wall getting hosed down so they could continue the shoot because that's how badly they stank. Like, oh, it's like patchouli and like I don't even know what's going on. So it's Dexy, Runners. All of the midnight ones, you guys, all, all the runners. Go ahead, midnight daybreak, all of you. But weren't uh, they supposed to be gritty and dirty? They were. They were. Part. They were. That's kind of the irony. Like, like Terry was like, because we were kind of like, yeah, they're supposed to. They're supposed to be like street urchins in the video. Yes. And he's like, yeah, but they're not pulling it off. They just look dirty. I just want to wash them. So anyway, um, cold water sprayed all right. over us, like Dexy's midnight runners. Um, you you said something uh, as you and I were texting about this today that I found absolutely spot on. When I said that, thank you. Met fans were sort of picking up on that narrative, and I listened to a little bit of Francesca today, and he was uh, taking so many calls with Met fans and Yankee fans telling Met should calm down. They haven't won anything. Cespedes is flaunting his money, like all this stuff. And to Francesca, it's crazy, like. What do you? They're having a good time. Like, what's the problem? And Cespedes has got all these cars. Derek Jeter never did that. He's like, yeah, he did. 
Derek Jeter had plenty of nice cars. Trust me. So, but Met fans have picked up on the narrative. And you said they, they don't know what to do with this team. They don't know. They, most of these fans have never experienced a good team that was supposed to be good. And that's well, loose and, and it feels good about themselves and is having a good time and knows that they're going to be good. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Zero. They've either not ever experienced it or they're just not used to it. They've only experienced it a couple of times, so they don't know how to handle it. Especially after all the bad, right? Especially after, all, especially after this last run, which was so bad. You, we have that dichotomy, that exact perfect dichotomy today in the office, right? So there's my buddy Bry, big Mets fan. We've had him on the show a bunch of time, big OD. And there's another guy who works uh, with in Brian's department, Luke. Luke's a good guy, big Mets fan, big Jet fan, uh, big Rangers fan. So he's not perfect, but um, and <laughs> Brian sends me, uh, big OD sends me a picture of the, the guys on the horses. Right? He's like, have you seen this? And I'm like, I've seen it. I love it. I love it. Best thing ever. He writes back and he goes, I totally agree. He goes, Luke hates it. Hates because, it. and he says, because what have they won? They should be serious. And I said, there it is. I said, it's the, per- it's the, per- and, and I said, you tell Luke he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally kidding. But I talked to Luke later on in the day, and I, and I convinced him. I'm like, this is good. This is where this team's supposed to be. They're having fun. They're not tight. They know they're going to be good. They're not saying that they're going to win, win it all or anything. It's not anything like that. They're having a good time, and they like each other. Yeah. It's important. It's important. That's an important piece of this. Where do you feel – or where do you feel? Where do you stay – where do you feel – <laughs> <laughs> terrible Broadway lyrics. Where do you feel? Um, these terrible Broadway lyrics were brought to you by Nathan Lane. Um, how do you feel about this? I know I have a little bit of an idea, but you are so all on board with this team and so mm. all in on the Mets right now. Mm. You got to be ecstatic. I am. I like it. I like it because I don't, I don't find them not taking things seriously. I don't think I don't I don't see that. I don't see this as they're just goofing off. They're having fun, and then when it's time to work, they work. That's all. Absolutely you know? nothing wrong with that. They hey, I don't know if anybody remembers this. Every single one of them showed up way before they were supposed to report for spring training. Yep. Every single one of them. Including the guy that makes twenty five million dollars that could have come in the day that he reported, nobody would have said anything. Showed up three days early. Yep. And so, he's he's keeping it loose. He's he's clearly he's clearly comfortable with the team and in that locker room. This is a guy who played for four teams in four years and everybody said he's yeah. a terrible teammate and everybody said, you know, there's a rule what well there's smoke, there's fire. He played for four teams in four years. I tell you what, these guys sure seem to like him. They love him. Yeah, they love no him. Kidding. He loves them. Yep. I mean, if you're a Met fan, I feel, and I think you agree, it could not be going better. It really can't. 
Like this is exactly what you hope for. Like there's there's immediate team bonding. They're having a good time. They haven't even started playing games yet. When they get to work, they'll work. I you know I I I don't like the word arrogant for them because it doesn't feel arrogant to me. It feels confident. Yep, I agree. More than arrogant, you know. Now, I'm I, I'm saying that as a Mets fan. And somebody from the outside may look at it and, and use the word arrogant, and that's fine. But to me, it doesn't feel like they don't. I don't feel like they're flaunting anything. I don't feel like they're taking any victory laps. They are all to a man saying they want to win the World Series this year. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's come out and said we're going to win the World Series. No, they don't say that. They they've said they expect to win the World Series. And I think that that's a huge difference than saying we're going to win the World Series. Write it I, down. Yeah. I think what they've said is we, we have unfinished business. If you're a team that's made the, that was in the World Series last year and lost, you should expect to win the World Series the next year. Of course. That's your expectation. Go back and look at the articles of the Royals last year in their spring training and what they were doing after losing the World Series. And uh, Mr. McCullough can go back and look at what they were doing and how loose they were and how, you know, they were talking about the acquisitions that they made and how they were going to get back there and this time finish the job. Because I looked at them today after Mr. McCullough uh, sent that little tweet out about the Mets taking a victory lap. I looked at them and the articles were everywhere. Unfinished business. We're going to get back there and finish it up. We're loose. We're confident. So uh, they didn't get on a horse. That means that they weren't taking a victory lap. Now we got a taste. Now we know what it takes. Now, okay, nothing wrong with that. Hey, look, I feel like we're back, baby. Like my dander is <laughs> up when that when that when I saw that tweet today from Andy McCullough. I was like, how dare you, sir? How yeah. dare you? And I barked at him like a junkyard dog. Did you really? You barked at him. Like like I was in clear and present danger. Yep, just like it. How did he uh how did he respond to that? He uh was a lot like that character actor who plays the president in <laughs> Clear and Present Danger. He was just like him. <laughs> I can't think of his name. Got great eyebrows. Right. I know who you're talking about. How dare you come in here and bark at me like a junkyard dog? <laughs> I don't know why I made him sort of like sound like Sean Sala. He's sort of like Sala in Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think I, I went oh. into. I am the monarch of the sea. You are named after the dog. God, I love that guy. Sala's fantastic. They call him Beloche. Belloc. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem with the, to answer your question. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's fun. I could not stop laughing when I was watching that video yeah. of Syndergaard and Cespedes this morning. Could it not looked, stop laughing. Looked, I, Cespedes looked like a ranch hand. Like he had just stepped off like like a ranch. And he looked unbelievably comfortable. He's all dressed up. Like he looked like a – and Syndergaard looked like – he's like wearing sneakers and, and a Met helmet. A batting helmet with one flap. The GoPro strapped to his head. And Cespedes – and the two of them just trotted in as if it was like there was nothing wrong, like Completely nothing unusual wrong. about it. Yeah, good. It's what we do. I love it. It's fine. I love it. 
it's, it's fine. more but, than fine, Brian. It's important. This team needs to be loose and needs to be confident. Be confident. But, but you know what? I think Terry Collins handled it the right way. He had to address it because if he doesn't address it, then he's got no control over the team and he's got to have control yep. over the team. So he's got to address it, but he yep. addressed it in the best possible way and he picked the perfect time to address it, which is on the eve of their game starting. Exactly. Totally agree. He it, and he, he said, let it look, go he said, I don't, right, I don't have a problem with it at all, nope. but now, now we got to get down to business. Right, except, uh, you know, all the headlines will be Collins to Mets, knock it off. Right. You know, like they're, they're going to twist his words and make it into he's the killjoy here. I love old man Collins, Cal. I'm coming around on him. It's amazing. It's that amazing. I, I love Collins unplugged. I love him. I love him now unplugged. He's still a, he's still not a good game manager, but I don't care. He's not a bad game manager. I feel like everything has changed for him, though. I I do as as a manager. He was and one of my biggest complaints, Brian, and you know this, and it's legitimate. From the what? I'll tell you legit. I'll tell you legit. I'll tell you why. It's a legitimate complaint. He was wound so tightly, and his teams were always wound so tightly because he had never won. Well, now he has. He's won a pennant. He's gone to the playoffs for the first time in his professional career. Now he's now the, the, all that pressure's off. Now he's just being himself. And I tell you what, I like the crazy old coot. That guy I like who's not wound so tight. That guy who's like, you know what? I'm going with my gut here. Or uh, I mean, people are still killing him for taking Harvey out of that game or leaving Harvey in that game. I didn't have a problem with it past the walk. That's when he should have came out. But still. The one thing, the one thing about him that I've, I, I know you've gone back and forth on him, up and down, around the block a couple of times. <laughs> right. And and I've had my I've for the most part I've liked him during his five six years here I've had my moments though where I've had enough I had enough of him and I was ready to like you know what it's time he's got to go it's just not working but yep. the one thing that's undeniable about this man good man he is a good man he's a good he is a good man and he genuinely cares about his players he does I agree for the most part for the most part. Dan Murphy, I don't think he was a big fan. I don't think he cares for Dan Murphy. Just wouldn't. Skip, skip. It's Daniel. That's my name. It's Daniel. Yeah, not gonna call it. Not gonna call it. Not gonna call you that. Nope. No sir. Tell you what, Dan Murphy can play on my team anyway. Daniel Murphy, don't don't know about him. Like he went out of his way to not call him Daniel. I think though, I I agree. He is a good man. He cares about his players. I think though, this changes the way he even relates to them. Like we've said it about him and Harvey in the past. Like I don't think he understood Harvey. But there's, no. a, there's, a, there's a tightly wound guy there a year ago who's not there anymore. Who now, who yeah. now can, say to, he can say to Harvey like what he thinks. I don't think he had that ability or would allow himself to be himself, truly himself. And now he's relaxed. Now he can do it. Now I just hope he doesn't, you know, make the second baseman cover, you know, second on a comebacker now if we can I just think, avoid that yeah i think he i think he fa- he followed the tom coughlin model and he realized Agreed. that in order in order to stick around he needed to change it's a great analogy 
And he consciously analogy. did it. He consciously yeah. did it. You could you could see you could see him change. If you watch him every day, you can watch the transformation occur. You know? Do you think that Flores is a turning point of what? Like the the press conference the night of the the trade that didn't happen and him sort of I mean he got emotional a number of times. But him saying that one that one press conference highlight sticks out to me because it's in one of the videos that Casey has watched 217 times. Um, where he says, you know, these guys aren't robots. Yeah. You know, these guys these guys are real people with real emotions. And he really went to bat for Flores that night. He was angry that night. He was. He was extraordinarily angry that it had gotten out. It was he was upset that his player got upset. And I I don't know if it's a turning point, but I think it was important in his evolution from tightly wound Terry Collins to F it. I'm going to do this on my terms, Terry Collins. And, and you know, uh, but winning solves all, Cal. He won a pennant. Yeah, they weren't winning at the time, though. No, they, they weren't were winning at the time. They were no. a 500 team three games out at the time. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah, no, it it, it and he it, was and he seemed very much edge of uh, end of his rope, and he had he had been saddled with one of the war, worst lineups in baseball for three months. Yeah, I, look, you you conspiracy this one, but I I came around and totally believed that he put that lineup out there against Kershaw that night on purpose. I absolutely think he did that on purpose. We said it. I think we said it at the time, and I. Yeah, and you, said I it that, you said it that night. I stand by it. That was a message from night. Terry Collins like, to Sandy Alderson. I was like, I cannot imagine a major league baseball manager essentially throwing a game away just to prove a point. And he, and I, and my thinking was, it's a game he thinks he's going to lose anyway. I think you nailed it. And it wasn't just; it was where he put them in the order, right. It wasn't just playing those five guys that night. It was where he put them in the order. He batted Mayberry cleanup. He batted Flores he third. He batted Eric Campbell fifth. He batted Eric Campbell fifth. John Mayberry Jr. Danny, fourth. Danny Muno was in that lineup. Wrecker sixth. Muno, I think, led off. I mean, we've looked at it that box score. So it we, wasn't even Wrecker. It was Johnny Manel. It was Johnny Manel. And the Belmonts. No, it was Wrecker because. <laughs> you sure? Yes, because they started four regulars that weren't pitchers, with over two hundred, over a hundred at bats that were all batting under two hundred. It was like a, it was like a record. Four <laughs> regulars, not the pitcher, all with a hundred at bats, all under uh, two hundred. I feel like. Um... Duda was in the line. I think there was one person that was in the lineup. There was a regular. It was Mayberry, Wrecker, Campbell, and I'm I'm, gonna, I'm bringing it up. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I do I do think that was an absolute message. Absolutely. Look what I have to start. Look what you've left me with. Tell me how I'm supposed July to win. July twenty third, two thousand fifteen. Yep. Tell me how I'm supposed to win this baseball game. Ready for this lineup? Yeah. Okay, ready for this lineup? 
I am. Granderson, Granderson led off in right. Yep. To hot, this is against this is against Clayton Kershaw. Remember. Correct. Granderson in right. Tejada at shortstop, batting second. Right. Wilmer Flores, batting third at second base. Yep. Batting two forty two at the time. Two forty nine at yes. the time. John Mayberry Jr. batting cleanup in left field. Batting one sixty five. The cleanup batter. Correct. Batting one sixty five. Eric Campbell at third base. Batting fifth. He of the one seventy six batting average. Right. Uh Lucas Duda batted sixth in that lineup. Yeah. Because of the lefty. Right. Uh Duda was batting two thirty seven at the time. Juan Lagaris batted seventh. In center, right. In center. And then Anthony Wrecker batting one thirty. One thirty. In the eighth. So it's three guys with at least a hundred at bats that were under two hundred. One Two, three. Yeah. Yeah. And then the pitcher. And then Cologne was four. Right. Bartolo Cologne with a higher batting average than Anthony Recker going into that game. Correct. Correct. That's why Kershaw was so pissed off when he gave up a hit. That was the game that people said going into the game, he's going to pitch a perfect game. Yeah. If it's not a perfect game, it should at least be a no-hitter. It's going to be a surprise if he doesn't pitch a perfect game and he didn't give yeah. up a hit till the seventh inning. Yeah, and Granderson broke it up, right? Yeah, Granderson broke it up. They wound up getting, I think, uh, three hits. Right. The, the the point is, and then uh, after the game, he had he he made comments about he made comments about the lineup. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. Sort of, and it was sort of like he wasn't blaming the lineup. It's not their fault. He was. I I can't remember exactly what he said. Right. But it was, in essence, look what I got to run out there, though. It's not their fault. Right. And they DFA'd Mayberry, what, like two days later? The next day. Because then they brought up Conforto the next day. That's right. That's right. That led they to brought up Conforto, up Conforto and they made the trades. Right. So right. he put that lineup out there on a Thursday night. Right. And within 24 hours, they brought up their top prospect and made a trade for two major league players. Correct. And DFA'd Mayberry. And DFA'd Mayberry. And sent Campbell down. And they sent Campbell down, I think, too. Because somebody, I think, came off the disabled list that night, too. Or maybe they sent Muno down. Uh, Muno down. Did but Murphy Muno come off wasn't the in that one. <laughs> Did Murphy come off the DL? Minuto. <laughs> Minuto. <laughs> uh, Murphy was off the he He pinch hit in that game. They, uh, the Mets have always had a number of under 17-year-old uh, Latino singers on their team. They just keep replacing. It's, it's, not, it's not the Once same guy. Once they get too old, they replace him. That's right. They just keep right? replacing Menudo. Danny Menudo. <laughs> what were oh, the names man. of the boys in Menudo? Do you remember? Danny, Ricky, Miguel. Danny, Ricky, Miguel. Pablo? Um, no. Is there a Pablo? There might have been a Pedro. There should have been a Pedro, I feel like. I, yeah, or Pablo. I don't know. Danny and Ricky, for sure. Danny and, and well, Ricky Martin. Wait, Ricky Martin was in Menudo? Of course he was. If you could 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> Come on, go. I can't wait to hear this. If I told you. All right, wait. I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. If I asked you what you thought a top five all-time karaoke performance song for me was. It's clearly a Menudo song or a Ricky Martin song. (laughs) Was it La Vida Loca? It is. I destroy that song. But it's got to be it's got to be performance wise. It's got to be performance wise. Like it's got to be in a, it's not in a karaoke room. Play that straight. It's in a karaoke bar. Like it's got to be in front of the people. Right. There was a period of time when I the living room like on a, on a karaoke machine with nobody done, watching. <laughs> I've done what it. You? I I've uh I've done the uh the karaoke version of Living La Vida Loca for Teresa once. Um, I have been banned from doing it again. Um, it, it's it, there was a time in LA back in like 2000 um, where we used to do karaoke all the time at this bar above uh, on Sunset, above where Terry Scano, uh, uh the aforementioned, used to do sketch. They had a sketch group. This is before everybody was getting a deal and like UCB and stuff like that. Like. Right, and they had a they had a really good sketch group in L.A. And they used to do like Sunday nights, and then we'd all go uh, to the lava lounge on Sunset, like right next door, and do karaoke. But it was full on performance karaoke because it was like with all these sketch guys, right? So Terry would get up and do an unbelievable Macy Gray, unbelievable. And he put the wig on, like he put on like this long blonde wig, and uh-huh. he just get up and just do the games changing, and he just <laughs> kill it, just absolutely kill it. I would go up. I had three songs. One, one of them was "Living La Vida Loca," very very good with the dancing and all the the kicks and the moves and stuff. Terrible, because I'm a terrible dancer, but that's what made it funny. The other one was Joe Cocker, Get By With A Little Help From My Friends, but doing the Belushi version, right? So the spastic and and all that stuff. But I can sound just like him. And then the other one was uh, a straight-up Jim Morrison, Uh, Light My Fire, just, just, you know, doing the... It yeah. looks around and stuff. But it's it. all part. It's all performance based. This is not. You just not going to just sing the song. That's right. You're trying whole to pack. sound as much like the song as you can. Uh huh. But you're 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 acting it too. Think about like like Belushi doing Joe Cocker on Saturday Night Live. Right. <laughs> That's what this was supposed to be. And then we did. We would do uh, uh, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr. And oh, it was great. Good times. Oh, that's great. Ricky Martin uh, was in Menudo? Let me come back to Ricky. Yeah, he was. Danny, Bobby, Ricky. No, that's you're thinking of New Edition at this point. Right. Damn it. Menudo. Isn't New Edition, or no, I'm thinking of uh, New Kids on the Block. That was Danny. All these groups have a Danny in them. 
Um, there was no Danny in Menudo. What? Believe it or not. Any no any any edition of Menudo? I'm I'm looking from 1977 any, any for 20 years. Any oh. edition of New Edition? Inside Edition had a, a Danny. <laughs> <laughs> you've got um, you've got an Oscar. You've got a lot of Rickies. A lot of Rickies. Lot Ricky Melendez. Ricky Martin. That's Ricky the Ricky Lopez. I remember. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky uh, Melendez. How do you remember Ricky Melendez? I don't know. He he left the band in 1979. How do you remember Ricky <laughs> Melendez? Didn't he become like a serial killer or something? Ricky <laughs> Is that not is that not him? No, you're thinking you're thinking of the Menendez brothers. The Menendez brothers, of course. Menendez, not Melendez. <laughs> At one point, the lineup Apologies included to the Melendez Ray, family. By the way, I just I, I apologize. My sincere apologies. Roy, Robbie, Ricky, Raymond, Ralphie, Ruben, Robert. They were with the R lineup. That was the big one. Yeah, that was in the mid '80s. Renee, that's our that's our Menudo. I feel like that's our Menudo. Like when they're on Trapper Keepers and stuff like that. Like that's our Menudo. Uh, yeah. This yeah, isn't your father's you. menudo. <laughs> By the way, that's the name of my new menudo cover band. Your father's menudo? Not your father's menudo. <laughs> here, 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 this is this is what you might remember. In nineteen eighty four, Ricky Melendez did leave the group and was replaced by Ricky Martin. There you go. So eighty four he was there. That was the um the clause of the Ricky where you needed to have at least one Ricky in the Menudo group. And if one was leaving, they had to find somebody else. The Ricky clause, the Ricky of 84. (laughs) (laughs) Rick Nelson auditioned Ricky Nelson, but I said, a you're extremely white. B you're really old. I think he died that year. What about Ricky Ricardo? Long gone. Well, was that the legacy, though? Like, they had to keep a Ricky in the band at all times because of Ricky Ricardo? Well, I I think it was that different. Was the, that, was was keeping... that was the law of Ricky. That was the law of Ricky. That was different. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, law. <laughs> the law of Ricky. The Ricky law. Ricky, Ricky being Ricky. Ricky rules. Was Ricky Henderson in Menudo? <laughs> If he was, would he would he say Ricky was in Menudo? If yes, if Ricky Henderson was in Menudo, he would have. Ricky said, had a great Ricky had a great time in Menudo. Ricky, Ricky liked being in Menudo. <laughs> was there ever a Roger in Menudo? I feel like Roger no. from What's Happening was in Menudo. As a matter of fact, <laughs> Ernest Thomas. That's a super group right now. Now you're talking about a super group. Roger. Roger. <laughs> Give me your best. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So the uh, the Mets start spring training games on Thursday, right? Thursday. First game Thursday. Uh, first game televised Friday. 
Okay. Will you, will you be watching? I asked you first. I will be. I, I that means like I gotta get the, the Major League Baseball package back again. God, I'm getting killed in Pennsylvania. You know, I think the I I heard that the games are streamed on the MLB Network for free in the spring. Yeah, they probably are on that on the app. The other yeah. thing is they said th- that MLB is going to the a la carte, so I can just buy the Mets. You can't because they didn't work out. They only worked out the deal with Fox. Oh, come on. So only teams with Fox-owned affiliates, you can do that. And the Mets own their own network, so they haven't, they haven't worked out a deal with the Mets yet. When is that going to happen? I don't know. Because they're going to it next year in hockey. Yeah. Supposedly that I can just buy. Because on, NHL, on NHL.com, I can just buy the Islanders. Right. And I think it's it's not a ton cheaper, but it's like $10 cheaper a month. Have you done that? I did by accident. So I didn't think I was going to be able to get center ice, right? Right. On uh, DirecTV. So I bought the NHL.com game day or whatever uh-huh. and then realized, oh, wait, I can't DVR that. Great and all, but I can't DVR that. Yeah, I can watch the condensed games, which is really good. Like you can watch the condensed game the next morning. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I could buy Center Ice for DirecTV. So I bought Center Ice. So I'm paying like right now I'm paying like fifty six dollars a month because you can't cancel NHL.com. Ugh. they won't let you cancel it. Once you're in, you're in. I canceled it for next year. Yeah. But when are they going to do that a la carte thing? When are they going to do that for baseball where you can buy just your team? They're do, they are doing this for baseball now. They just have not finalized the deal with these um, team-owned networks. Ugh. They did it with the Fox. So if the Mets were still yeah. on Fox Sports New York, you'd be able to do it. But they ain't. That's so made off. I got to buy the whole mishpuka. What are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna watch the Mets this year, right? You're gonna have to buy it. Of course I am. Yeah. And yeah, and good luck telling Wesley or Casey that they can't watch a Met game. Good luck. Why don't you you need to introduce them to the wonderful world of radio? <laughs> exactly. Especially since right? I get FAN for free. Can you hear it down in New Hope? I do. I get FAN in my car. Wow. I don't live in New Hope, but I get it in Newtown where I live. So what do you drive back to Newtown to get it? Can <laughs> <laughs> you just drive around to listen to the game? And the game's over. Go back home. I could just go sit in my car in the driveway. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the Yankees uh, uh, reliever Araldis Chapman was suspended for thirty games hmm. uh, for uh, whatever happened with a gun and his wife. Um, you know what's uh, suspicious there is he didn't appeal. No. Something's up when eight seconds after Major League Baseball announces that you're suspended for 30 games, you come out with a statement saying, you know what? I'm not going to appeal. Don't want to put my family through that. Like literally eight seconds after the <laughs> after the ruling came down. Or all the time was like, yep, pretty much. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So you do you think that the Yankees knew 
there would be a suspension. Yes. I think they knew that. I don't think they knew what it would be, but I think they kind of counted on some punishment and hoped there'd be none. Do you and think that, that it was only 30 games? Right. Do you think that they had done the due diligence to know that it wasn't going to be an indictment? No. It, I think the deal was too good to be true, and he took it before Cincinnati had a chance to think about it. And just hope that. And just say, hey, let's see, see what happens. It, was, it cost us nothing. It cost them literally right. nothing. Right. So he misses April, essentially. He'll be back on May 9th. And everything okay. free, free and clear of everything, ready to go. He gets the, he still gets to be a free agent at the end of the year, so it doesn't cut into his service time enough to prevent him right. from being a free agent. Uh, he doesn't have to pitch in the cold weather of the Northeast in April. Right. Win-win for everybody. Everybody wins in this. Right. And everybody the Yankees have a woman shot at. Right. <laughs> so it's almost win-win all around. So you're saying minus, minus that. Other than her, Outside wins. of the gunplay, everybody's over here. They and they have a they have a closer to fit the bill, to uh, to uh, to to affix to the bill, to pay the bill, to pay the, to pay the bills, pay the piper. As it as it turns out, Piper uh, Andrew Miller, in the first thirty games of last year, saved fifteen of them. Right, <laughs> so that's pretty good. So I think they're going to be okay. They're a um, they're a, a, you can look at the Mets right now. We know the lineup, we know the rotation, we know the bullpen, right? Do you know that with the Yankees? You know, know the bullpen. That's about it. And you know that Tanaka is going to pitch every five days as long as he stays healthy. You know that Pineda is going to pitch every five days as long as he stays healthy. Severino will pitch every five days. Until right. he gets to 180 innings. Right. Maybe not in five days. But, yeah, there's, right. there's a lot of questions. Sabathia, he's right. scheduled to be in the rotation. Is he the – so who's Evaldi? Is he the fourth guy? Tanaka, Pineda, Evaldi, Sabathia, Severino. Severino, yeah. In some in some order. I don't, I don't know if that's and the order. And then Teixeira, Castro – D.D. Who's third, third baseman? I guess it's Chase Headley. Chase Headley, yeah. third. McCann and... Uh, Ellsbury and Beltran in the outfield. And Beltran, yeah. Carlos Beltran. With a little A-Rod at D.H. McCann the, and uh, Gabby Sanchez behind the plate. A little Aaron Hicks thrown in the mix. Look what you did there. I see you. Can Hicks play right field? I think he can play any any anywhere he wants. Okay. I think he. I, I think, think he's he going to play a lot. I, all I feel like. I think he plays all outfield positions. Yeah, there's somebody. I feel like I'm missing somebody though. Gardner's still hurt. McCann. Nah, he's McCann. No, I feel like I'm missing another outfielder. I feel like there was somebody else. Did he's caught. They wanted to. Who? Aaron Judge. No, he's hurt. No, that's Greg Bird. Yeah, Greg Bird is out for the season. Slade Heathcott, caught. Who? 
Isn't that his did name? You, did you just make that up? I totally went MLB the show right there and just completely made up a player. Doesn't you he love lasagna? He loves lasagna. No, that's 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 Garfield. Not Heathcliff, the cat. <laughs> this is totally different cartoon what cat. What was Heathcliff's deal? There was a song about Heathcliff. The cat. <laughs> the... We're going to have to call PJ in here, but I just remember Heathcliff and Marmaduke at one point had a show together. Yes. Heathcliff and Marmaduke, right? But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything else other than that. Heathcliff was like a like a, a Garfield like but like a alley cat Garfield. He was like the GoBot to the Transformers. That's right. He even looked like he was like orange and like round. So was Garfield. That's what I'm saying. He even looked like Garfield. He was a knockoff? He was a total knockoff. I feel like Heathcliff was always getting into trouble. <laughs> ah, you're nothing but a Garfield knockoff. Didn't he like smoke? <laughs> Heath, yeah, I think he did. And isn't well, Marmaduke's been around for a really long. Women. <laughs> alley cats. Heathcliff's alley been around. Or, uh, Marmaduke's been around for a long time, right? Right. That's like an old time cartoon oh, strip yeah. or something. Where does Clifford? He used to eat a lot of fish. He used to eat a lot of fish, like the fish bone. Yeah. It was big, like he just he just he do the one thing, like the one motion where he just put it in his mouth, hole, and then pull right. out the bones. Exactly. That was a big move for him, I feel like. Heathcliff, no one should terrorize the neighborhood. <laughs> He's Cliff and Mama Duke. That's all I remember of that song, but it stuck. A French American animated television series. So that what? would explain the smoking. <laughs> and the baguettes being broken in every episode. Like you know, <laughs> couldn't get through the door with a baguette. He Heathcliff was an orange street smart cat mm-hmm. who spent most of his time trying to turn to dust people's heads. <laughs> He's That's a real so French who loves to fight anyone, but will not fight girls. He will also lie, cheat, and steal to get himself some food. But beneath it all, he's a good guy. <laughs> so French. Voiced by Mel Blanc. No, it was not. I'm telling you. Uh-huh. I uh, need your food. I turn a dumpster over on your head. I get, I get them confused. Him and Garfield, they used to get them confused all the time. How could you possibly get Heath? Garfield was a monster in the industry. Huge. He was huge. Heathcliff was huge, too. I, You know, Garfield I, I never had a television show. Yes, he did. I don't remember it. Garfield had Heath- a Sunday cartoon. Absolutely. A Sunday cartoon, yeah, in the, in the, in the papers. I don't remember him on TV. And they weren't Sunday cartoons. No, he had, where a TV, I was. he had a TV show. That's Saturday morning. Yeah. Garfield was on Sunday mornings. Cal, what are you, no. what are you talking about? What do you mean, what am I talking? I'm talking about Heathcliff. Garfield has been ubiquitous. Everywhere. <laughs> Paul Clyde Frazier? <laughs> Covers all media. He might have even had his own call-in radio show. 
Garfield is pushing and dishing. It's a call-in radio show. Marmaduke is 20 years older than Heathcliff, and Heathcliff is five years older than Garfield. So Heathcliff oh, so is older than Garfield? Heathcliff that is predates what I'm Garfield. So Garfield is a Heathcliff knockoff. I don't wow. think they're a knockoff of in, in any way. I think they're just orange. Because some radio and show. cats. Because, because and some cats. cats are orange, and, and orange fat tabby cats are known for being feisty. Garfield in the morning. Go ahead. You're on the air. <laughs> Happy Monday, Garfield. Happy Monday. What do you, what do you want to talk about? Lasagna? Let's talk would be about better lasagna. If I had, would be better if I had a lasagna. <laughs> Why is he? Uh, Louis Anderson. Isn't that natural? I can't do Lorenzo music. So I'll do Louis Anderson. What's uh, Lorenzo music? What do you mean, what's Lorenzo, what's Lorenzo music? Is that, oh, the, boy. is that the voiceover actor? It is. Oh. In fact, wow. it was the original voice of Garfield. Be better battle <laughs> Hello, this is Carlton, your doorman. That was Lorenzo Music. Yes. I am the center square Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very solid Louis Anderson, by the way. Upsettingly so. It was good. I can do it. Go ahead. I can, I can do, do it. it. I can go ahead and do it. I done did it. One of my that's one in the wheelhouse. Sad to I say. can do Louis Anderson in three notes. <laughs> Instant impression. You didn't believe he was on a diving show. I don't even know why I talk to you two anymore. <laughs> <coughs> Lorenzo Lorenzo Maudlin? Who was who was this? Lorenzo, Lorenzo Music. Lorenzo oh, Lorenzo's oil? Yeah. Lorenzo's oil was featured heavily in Nick Milty doing his Italian accent. Oh, Heathcliff. Remember that movie? <laughs> Lorenzo's oil? Yeah. Clearly, I just referenced it. Oh, yeah, boy. I remember it. I never saw it. Oh. <laughs> never watched. I prefer Lorenzo's music. That's a good movie. Lorenzo Music uh, was was a, a great comedy writer. How does wait Heathcliff's voice was Mel Blanc? Yes. Yeah, and he didn't. Mel Blanc didn't even try. I mean, it was just he, took, <laughs> he just pushed Porky Pig a little bit harder, and he got Heathcliff. Oh, I wish he was French. I wish he had a French dialect. I will turn this dumpster over on your head. He's a frustrated expatriate French cat wandering the streets of America. Please, please, please. I will never hit a never hit a girl cat, but I will hit you. (laughs) You are uh, but a cheap uh, Heathcliff knockoff. What an odd concept of a show. Heathcliff was always getting into trouble, right? His father, Pop is an orange cat who is normally in and out of prison. <laughs> yeah, they were tough. But Heathcliff would also protect the other animals on the street. Yeah, but fair. Did he protect them or did he bully them? Yeah, I feel like he's been more of a bully. There was a dog, uh, obviously named Spike. 
Spike, of course. Um, and 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 the, he he would he would tell Spike, some of, of the course. bigger animals to step off, basically. Step off, George. So he had Spike step doing off, his bidding for him. Yeah, Spike was like his the, the protector. He was like the muscle. Somebody, Where somebody would be uh, getting their head dunked in the fountain. <laughs> you know. As one does. As, as, as happens. As happens. Had, I'm not, I'm not uh, making up that Heathcliff and Marmaduke show, right? That was a show at some point? Like the reintroduction of Heathcliff or something like that? This is not one that I'm aware of. That was the show. It was called The Reintroduction of Heathcliff. <laughs> And it was, wow. it was done in the, that seems very highbrow. <laughs> it, was, it was done as a, as a dramatic piece. The miseducation of Heathcliff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that album. That's a good album. Can we can we finish talking about sports real quick and then we'll get to the fun load page? I'm sorry to drag you into this Heathcliff nonsense. Well, now I'm scouring IMDb for uh, okay. evidence that this these things existed, so I'll just check back when I have evidence and start screaming. I, I need you. you to explain to me the Cadillac Cats when you come back. Oh, boy. Cadillac spelled with a cat at the beginning of it. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, Cal, I want to ask you about the Islanders. Okay. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. You're probably watching the game. Don't tell me what they're doing tonight, please. I'm DVRing it. I, I'm not I'm not watching the game, trust me. Okay. Um they made a trade uh yesterday, very very minor deal, got a young player from uh the Ottawa Senators, Ottawa. Where are you with this team? I watched uh most of this uh trip. I missed a, uh two periods of the um Edmonton game because uh, I was away over the weekend, but I've watched this trip. They are 3 and 1 on this trip heading into Vancouver tonight. This all important game road trip culminating with Sunday at the Garden at 5 o'clock against the New York Rangers. Um, the Islanders are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. They are um, uh, probably a team with a first-round playoff exit ceiling. Uh, Garth Snow did not get any better, really, uh, in terms of adding a veteran or a big player at the trade deadline. Nobody really did. Only like three players went anywhere that were worth anything. You know, I mean, unless you want to count Dion for enough, you know, two weeks ago or whatever. But um, really just Andrew Ladd and, and Eric Stahl are, are and, and, and you can make a case for Bodker, but those are the two big players, Cal, and the Rangers got one of them and, and the Blackhawks got the other one. Yeah. Not a not a whole lot of movement. This it was a not very a whole lot boring of trade deadline. Because a lot of teams are holding on to their unrestricted free agents because they're in a playoff race. Garth Snow is in a very difficult spot, Cal. He trades Kyle Oposo, who's going to be a, a, a pending unrestricted free agent who they likely won't sign. He probably could have got back a second for him. Um, but you're in a playoff race. Are you punting the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like you're, you, you need Kyle Oposo if you're going to have any chance of winning a round. Yeah. So you can't do that. You're not going to trade Franz Nielsen. You're not going to trade Matt Martin. I do, I do, I have to say this. They went and got this kid, Shane Prince from Ottawa. Uh, a ton of um, 
upside, it seems. A lot of potential. Had a very, very good career in the AHL and the OHL, um, you know, as a goal scorer and stuff. He's only 23 years old. Uh, you know Howie that I work with, the, the huge Islander fan. One of his clients sure. is a very big, very big Ottawa fan, born in the province, huge Ottawa fan. And he spoke to him this morning, and he said, this is a good deal for you guys. This kid was kind of misused. They didn't know what to do with him. If you put him on a real line, he can be effective. His his possession stats are fantastic. He's got a really good handle, blah, blah, blah. So they did. Like Jack Capuano did something that I and had said this morning was like uh, when talking to Howie about this trade, put him on the first line tonight. Go ahead, run him out there. <laughs> they did. You know, run him out there. And sure enough, about two o'clock, the Islanders tweet out that he was going to skate on the first line with uh, John Tavares and and uh, and Ryan Strom, and that Ryan Pulak was playing again tonight. Right. So good. You know, went out and and uh, that puts uh, the best fourth line in hockey back together uh, as it belongs with Clutterbuck, Martin, and, and Sezikis. Um You move Josh Bailey down to the third line. You have a third line of you know probably Bailey, or you could put him back with with Oposo and Franz Nielsen, and then you have that Kuhlman, Lee, and Nelson line. Look. I don't think anybody's beating the Capitals. I'm starting to feel that way more and more. I still think they are beatable, but I'm not sure if anybody's doing it um, in the East. Uh, I think a first-round playoff series with the Rangers is on tap, Ryan. I don't know what why that... you're so sure about that. I, I, did I say I was sure about it? You no. Think? I said I think a mm-hmm. first-round playoff series with the Rangers is on tap. Why do That's you think that? Because I think they will get enough points to stay in the third position. Okay, Pittsburgh's one point behind them. Yep. Okay. I know. I think they will get enough points to stay in that third position. Okay. I do. And they, and they have three games, I think, against Pittsburgh left. Um, but, uh, and they, and they, I think they have three games in hand on the Rangers. Um I, I just so if that's the case, if that's your first round series, how do you feel about this team? I, I, they could beat the Rangers. The Rangers aren't aren't. Mu- I think the Rangers are better than them. I don't think they're much better than them. It'll probably be one of those six or seven game series that go back and forth, and ultimately they'll lose. Right. And then that'll be it. And that'll be their season. And the transition year will be over. Right. And then they'll lose Oposo and they'll lose Nielsen and they'll have to bring some kids up next year. and Which they're planning on doing anyway. And there'll be cries to go out and sign a veteran to play on the wing with Tavares and he'll ignore that and he'll just stay true to his team and the coach will be back. Everything is yeah. going to stay exactly the same. I disagree with you on, on that aspect. I think if they lose in the first round, I think Capuano's done. Hmm. Um, that's just my, my feeling. I think yeah, I think I think that Garth thinks that this team should win a round. And I think that's the natural progression and if they don't get there I think he'll have seen enough. As I Staple says it a lot, Brian. He says this is the last shot with this core. Well, clearly it is because they're going to lose a lot they're going to lose a bunch of key players next next I don't year. think they're going to lose Nielsen. I think they're going to sign him. I think they're nah, going to lose Oposo. I think somebody's going to pay Nielsen a lot of money. He's a valuable Maybe. guy. Maybe be too rich and for their taste. You'll plug in Del Call and uh, you'll plug in Barzal and away you go. 
maybe. If they're ready. They might not, I don't think Barzal's going to be ready next year. Oh, he's he almost made the team this year, Bri. Well, I mean, like he, almost, he almost made the team this year. They think he's him, ready. It took him 60 games to put Pulak in the in the lineup, so. Yeah, that's that's because there was not an opening. No? That they wanted, not when the coach loves Brian Strait. And Zidlicky? Not when the coach loves Brian Strait and Zidlicky. Well, and Zidlitsky is going to play veterans. You know that. I think they I think they think Barzal is ready. I think they were very close to putting him on the team this year. In fact, yeah. if one of the if one of the forwards had gotten hurt in camp, he would have made the team. Yeah, I I really believe I really believe that kid is that close. He's my under no circumstances guy, Brian. Yeah, no, I know I know I know you like him, but I just I think they tend to take I their time. They, with I guys. think they like him as much. I really do. I don't I do not you love him. They don't. They don't love him like you love him. How do you know? I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> you love him. You saw him play in juniors. I you did. You have a connection to him. I did. I'm also going by how they've talked about him. I'm not making it up. I think you need to step away from the Barzal conversation. Oh, do I? <laughs> do I really, Father you know, Cindergard? Do you're I not, really? You're not objective enough. Is that a fact? Well, then. Hey, if you had your way, Noah Syndergaard would have been traded for a bag of balls two years ago. Nonsense. Nonsense. When did I ever want to trade Noah Syndergaard? Play the tapes back. If they're going to trade one of them, he's the guy to trade. What? Play the tapes back. Oh, you're drunk. Where do you think under no circumstances came from? It was in response to, if they're going to trade someone, he's the guy to trade. Fine. I wasn't trade, I was talking about trading him for a bag of balls. I think I was talking about trading him for, like, Mike Stanton. A bag of nice Carlo balls. Giancarlo Stan- Stanton. Gold, gold-plated balls. <laughs> gold-plated balls. Hey, 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 hey. Keep yeah, it you clean. Did, yes, yes. No, you're right. It was, it was Stanton. You were going to trade Syndergaard and Darno for Stanton. Yes. I said you I would have made that. that trade. Before they went and got Giannis Cespedes. I didn't know they were going to go get Giannis Cespedes. I can hardly be blamed. <laughs> uh, you were right. Fine. You were right, Papa Syndergaard. You were right. That's like Papa Smurf, but you have long flowing hair under your <laughs> blonde hair up here. Under your, under your little Back white hat. Back in my day. Are we there yet, Papa Smurf? Oh, I shut can't. up. <laughs> Smurf off. Yeah, you know, for, for for such a kindly old man, he certainly was, had no patience. Very bitter. Whatsoever. That show is, man, boy. You could write theses on that show. Theses. Thesi? Would it be thesi? You really could. That show was effed up. It really was. Well, they were friggin' Smurfs. But there was a lot going on there with Gargamel and Azrael and... and you know, white hats and a lot going on there. I feel like Acting there was a lot people. of symbolism. <laughs> right. I feel like there was a lot of symbolism there that we were not privy to at the age of five or eight. Yeah. <laughs> One girl in the whole town. Well, it's like the girl. Muppets. There's well, one no, girl there's... Muppet. No, that's not true. Who else is a, a yes. girl Muppet? 
Janice. In the band. Yeah, you're right. Scooter's a little ambiguous, too, I feel like. I think. <laughs> Scooter's got like a little Caitlyn Jenner thing going on there. Nah, leave Scooter alone. Could have been a tennis pro. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love Scooter. Scooter was one of my top three Muppets. All right, go ahead. <laughs> and fun mode. <laughs> Top. Oh, Scooter's definitely one. Fozzie Bear Top. is a two. Desert Island Muppets. Desert Island Muppets. <laughs> Go ahead. See the difference? PJ's microphone just exploded because he can't get to it fast enough to play Desert Island Muppets. Your, just, your Mount Rushmore of Muppets. Two cats at one time. Your Mount Rushmore of Muppets, you're limited to four. And they're different. Your Mount Rushmore Muppets would be a consensus. Muppets, right? Whereas yeah. your, your Desert Island Muppets are your three three favorites. That's the difference, and I hope you explained that to Teresa when you were talking about your Mount Rushmore of foods. <laughs> no, it's well explained to her. It doesn't matter. She still has so many questions, and everything is stupid. Can you make her like a little laminated cheat sheet so that whenever you ask the question, you present her with the cheat sheet, and she can refer to it. And it'll make so much more sense to her. Color coded. <laughs> Remember, like the Mark Sanchez color coded system. The color code. That's right. That's exactly right. Hey, hey they franchise. Story. They franchise Mo Wilk. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Which is weird because I, I obviously should be happy. Do you think they're going to trade him? I think they're really think open they to trading him. I think they might. And they're going to keep Richardson. I mean, isn't he – he's an incredibly talented player. Isn't he a time bomb? He's a little bit of a loose cannon. The thing that I'm worried about is isn't Snacks going to leave as a free agent? I don't think there's any question that Snacks is going to leave. Yeah, so you want to lose two guys off that line? Can't lose two off that line. No, I mean, I, look, four is gluttony, but I don't want to lose two of them. But three of them is nice. I mean, Leonard Wilkins, Richardson, and, and Snacks is kind of yeah. nice. yeah. Especially since your linebackers suck. Well, for now, now they do. They might improve yeah. that. No, they, they. I think they will. I look. We've talked about it. I, I, I've never felt this confident in a regime in in a really long time. That, that yeah, no. With the ability to to do what they're supposed to do. Like I listened to them last week at the combine, Bowles and uh, McCagnan. They were great, fantastic. Yeah. Just confident, in charge, not dopey, like all football all completely football. How much nice. is our boy Fitzpatrick going to get? He's probably going to get way more than he should. I mean, are they talking about like three and like 25? No, no. 30? Can't be that much. Can it be that much? He's going to get a lot guaranteed up front, right? Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, RG3 available for very, very little. You're on the stump, aren't you? I am stumping big time. Early, early. I am. I was yes about two months ago. <laughs> I just I wanted I wanted I just wanted out there how early you were on top of that. I just in case it, he's he would just be an unbelievable fit if you could get him for like a sixth rounder or something ridiculous. Could you imagine? Yeah. Would you not take him on this team right now instead of Geno Smith? I would. And I like and I like Geno Smith. 
Like, yeah. come on. No, I, I would. The comparison's not even close. When when he was healthy and playing, he's I think he's his career is like what thirty six touchdowns, twenty one picks. He's like over sixty percent completion. He's got like twelve rushing touchdowns. It's not even close. Got to be healthy though. That's the that's the key to it. Hasn't played in a year. Hard to well then technically I mean, don't he you think be... he, no. I'm saying he should be healthy. He should be he fully should be recovered healthy. from yeah, the injury. Yeah. Like I think of that as a as a uh, advantage. Uh, go get him for a sixth, Cal. Come on, and let him and let him compete with let Fitzpatrick. Him compete. Yeah, let him compete. You know, or if you can't sign Fitzpatrick at a reasonable number, go get him and let him compete with Geno. Right, right. I'm I'm not paying three years and thirty two million dollars for Fitzpatrick. I'm not. <sighs> They are there. They don't seem to have a problem with it. I know they're all in on him. Ugh. Yeah. So I know. <laughs> and yet, I still feel really good about the direction of the team and what they're doing. I think they're going to be good next year, and I think they're going to be competitive. But, and I guess that part of that is signing Fitzpatrick back. But still, ah, Liberty flu. <laughs> uh, all right. Back to the uh, so we we talk about the Jets. Back to the Muppets. By the way, the, the Giants are gonna have like fifty two million dollars in cap room. Yeah, they're gonna have it's gonna be like the Jets last year. Some idiot was saying, um, I'm not gonna say who. Some idiot uh, who has a morning show here in New York was saying, um, but Tom Brady restructured his deal. Why doesn't Eli Manning do that? Because they have fifty two million dollars in cap room. That's why. Oh. Okay. Right? Like, is, there, is there a stupider statement? No. That makes like sense. just a just a bag on Eli Manning. Like I don't, I, I got no skin in the game for Eli Manning. Believe me, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the uh, Manning yeah, family these that. days. But why doesn't Eli Manning take a pay cut for the team? Uh, because they have 52 million dollars in cap rooms. <laughs> Next year, after they spend all that, is when he should take a pay cut to help the team. Right. So That's ridiculous. Right. All right. Desert Island Muppets, go. PJ, get in here. I asked you, sir. I'll start. Desert Island Muppets. Let's hear it. Yep. Wait a minute. Muppets <laughs> Wait a minute. that I'd want to be that I'd want to spend in... time with on a desert island. <laughs> uh, do we have to explain the desert island to you again, PJ? Okay, Teresa. <laughs> You're stranded on a desert island. You've got there's nothing else there but Muppets. I killed myself. The end. <laughs> True story? Can Blind I go now? Muppets. <laughs> You're stranded on a desert island with nothing but Muppets. This Blind actually Muppets. happened to Jim Henson. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to do that. Desert <laughs> Island with three muffins. Who are they? Which ones are the muffins? Three. Not limiting it.
My three favorite Muppets are as follows. They don't have to be three. You can have more. I'm, I'm just taking three. Okay. Scooter. In order? Fozzie Bear. Gonzo. Go ahead. Good list. Critique. I want Sesame Street Muppets. You you can't have Sesame Street Muppets. We're talking Muppets from the Muppets. Then my suicide stands. (laughs) You are not a fan of the Muppet Show. I thought you liked the Muppet Show. Are on the beach playing with your Muppets? I'm hanging from the nearest coconut tree, wondering what happened to me. When did I go insane? That's right after we got on the island with the Muppets, probably. Right. Probably started shortly after that. I would love to know the circumstances, how one would get stranded on a desert island with Muppets. (laughs) Me too. And they're animated, right? It's not just like the three puppets just laying there. They're they're live. They're they're speaking. They're moving and flailing their arms around. Does this follow that at some point Tina Fey will make a a cameo to peer out of the the bushes? (laughs) On the desert island. island. PJ, there's nobody else there. I think right. Bob Denver will, and then, for comic and then Charo. Relief, an hour into it, Tina Fey appears. <laughs> That's a hallucination. Bill Hader. Donnie and Marie just show up. Donnie, who, else, who else is on The Muppet Show? John Denver, not Bob Denver. Bob Denver. <laughs> I'll take Bob Denver. He's cool. Hey, wait. We were on a desert island. Of course it's yeah, well, Bob I get, yeah. I get the confusion. Phenomena. Come on. You don't have three favorite Muppets, PJ? What's the matter with you? I like Ralph. Obviously. Ralph? Ralph the dog. Oh, he called him Ralph. <laughs> I believe I wow. said Ralph. <laughs> Who brought the Muppet police? Whoa, whoa. Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. It's supposed to simulate the noise a dog makes. Right. Oh, is that it? That's what that means. Oh, thanks. Uh, I want Sam the Eagle. Excellent. Oh, great call. He's great to talk to. <laughs> Are you taking Statler and Waldorf as one? No, you got to have you... one or the other. Oh, boy. I'm taking no. Waldorf. You could take the two of them, but that counts as two. As two. Oh, come on. They got to count as one. (laughs) And I'll take Walter from the movies. Walter? Nobody's taking Kermit, huh? Nobody's taking Kermit, but he's on the Mount Rushmore. He would be on the Mount Rushmore. Yes, for sure. Yeah. The Mount Rushmore is easy. Kermit, Piggy... Fozzie. Fozzie Bear. Yeah. You could put Animal on there. Who else? I, I think that fourth spot is tough because you can make a case for Rolf the Dog. Gonzo. You can make a, can make a case for Beaker. No. On the Mount Rushmore of Muppets, you're going to put Beaker? That's right. Beaker. <laughs> Beaker's waiting at the bottom. What about Dr. Keith? 
out of your mind. No one's Dr. Going Teeth. Bunsen honeydew. <laughs> About Ratso. Ratso Rizzo. Or no, Ratso the Ratso the Rat. Rizzo the Rat. Rizzo the Rat. Not Ratso the Riz. Rizzo the Rat. The Swedish Chef. Swedish Chef. Burnish Mergen. Burnish Mergen. So great. Your first three are undeniable, though, right? Your first three are, are Stone Cold Locks on the Mount on Rushmore, the, right? On the Mount Rushmore, yeah. The fourth one, I think you can make an argument for for Rolf the dog or Gonzo. or But yeah, Frog, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, and Fozzie Bear are your big three there. Right. I, you can make a strong argument for Dr. Teeth. I mean, he was the leader of the whole band. No. Dr. Absolutely Teeth in the Electric Mayhem. Come on. No. It's got to be Go- Gonzo or... Can you name the members of the uh, Electric Mayhem? Zoot. Animal. Janice. <laughs> Janice. Zoot. Ralph. Janice, animal. Ralph was Eight. not in the Electric Mayhem. No. He was more classically trained. Correct. And and Dr. Teeth played keyboards. And oh, that's he's supposed to be Dr. John? That's right. Ralph, he, I Ralph think he's supposed to be Dr. The, uh, John. Yeah. In the honky-tonk bar with uh, Paul Williams there. <laughs> Paul Williams shows up on the desert island. Different setting. With the sunglasses. The Electric Mayhem featured Dr. Teeth on keyboards, Animal on drums, Floyd on bass. Yeah. You didn't sure. Know Anybody know Floyd's you ju- last name? You jumped right to the reading of, the, of the names. Terrible. Floyd's last Terrible. name. Pink. Close. <laughs> That would be genius. It's Floyd nothing. Pepper. Floyd Pepper. Floyd oh. Pepper on the bass. Janice on lead guitar. I didn't know Janice was on lead guitar. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. He was front and center. Yeah, man. Zoot on saxophone, you mentioned. Lips on trumpet. Good band. That's that a very solid band. band. It's a good band. It's a very solid band. It's going to be it's going to be a great band. We have the best band. You're going to love the band. The Muppets are here. (laughs) Uh, All right, enough Muppets. Let's. uh, PJ clearly doesn't want to talk Muppets. Clearly. Well, too bad. We just talked Muppets for 15 minutes. All right, talk concussion, PJ. Tell me about concussion. Tell me about the future of the NFL. Can the NFL continue to exist? When does it collapse? Go. The NFL is fine. The NFL is fine. Uh, concussion, like- concussion was a, a, a pre-by-the-numbers um, medical drama peppered with football. Okay. Littered with uh, football. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, they definitely brought in... Uh, you know, certain certain people like Goodell and, and Tagliabue, um, without sp- making them like the big bad guy. Right. You know, they made them like, you know, I don't know, the big obstructionists. 
just kind of there or like not, you know, not, not purposefully hiding evidence or not purposely, you know, uh, uh, thwarting investigations or whatever, just kind of made them there or? It, it was like the doctor was the unstoppable force and the NFL was the immovable object. Okay. You know what I mean? Without portraying them as evil, you know, they just portrayed them sort of as, you know, the, these are our business interests and we have to protect them. And then, you know, the, a music cue underneath would sort of be like, is this the right way to do things? Ta-da! <laughs> you know, it was a little was cliche, there? you know. When things got really bad, his pregnant wife started having trouble with the pregnancy. It, you sure. know, there was, it, it had a, a, a more than a few TV movie elements to it. Um, but the story itself is startling. Yeah. I mean, really, really startling. And the way that they treated um, the players who eventually killed themselves. Right. Um, I thought was um, very, I guess, tasteful. Um, you know, wasn't sensationalistic. Um, right. You know, they treated that as serious stuff. It wasn't just. Uh, a movie device to facilitate Will Smith making a speech, you know, or winning an Oscar, players, or winning an Oscar. Each one of the each one of the players you met that was suffering became a real person, which I thought was a good thing. Is uh, Dave Dewerson big in there? <coughs> Excuse me, I cannot stop coughing. I'm sorry. She can stop if you want. I, well, I'm trying not to do it on mic, and I just do it over and over again. Paul Reiser's well, in the movie, by the way. Paul Reiser. Thank goodness, because when I think Paul of Reiser serious and Albert brain Brooks trauma, are in the movie, and I didn't laugh once. When I think of serious brain trauma, I think of Paul Reiser, <laughs> Paul and, Reiser? Albert Brooks. and Albert yeah. Brooks, it's and Albert Brooks. Very strange, very strange casting. Are you sure you weren't watching the Wacky Seagulls? No. <laughs> Wisecracking Seagulls. Wisecracking Seagulls. Paul Reiser and and Albert Brooks. We have this cast. <laughs> Do <laughs> you um, um, do you think it was a best actor worthy performance? He's very good. Okay, <laughs> way to avoid the question there, Tagliabue. Do you think he was a best actor performance? No, he didn't do enough. They didn't write the character to do enough. Right. He does the accent very well. He does his demeanor very well. You do believe he's a doctor. Like, I didn't have any trouble buying that Will Smith was playing a doctor. It was, it was, it was all good from the first frame. Okay. But th- there's not enough there. You know what I mean? Like, you never even really got to see the guy get mad. Or, you know, it was just him being quietly frustrated for... 154 minutes. <laughs> That's quietly frustrating. <laughs> Still a good movie. I'll probably watch okay. it again. Um, wow. Yeah. Who has that kind I, of time? I thought, I thought actually that Albert Brooks and Alec Baldwin had better supporting performances than Will Smith's lead performance, even though he was good. Baldwin's the best. <laughs> I said Baldwin is the best. I'm looking forward to seeing that movie. Cal, will you see that movie? Yes, I will. Thank you, PJ. 
I mean, yeah, it, it, it made me a little bit angry at the NFL. It's but supposed it to. A, I know. And what, I mean, if you want, what I wish they could have done is I, w- I wish they could have hung it on somebody with a name. You know, uh, uh, the fact that they had evidence in front of them and decided to say, no, we're not going to deal with this until, well, until they the house could have burns, hung down, it. You know, burns down. Yeah, but they could have hung it with somebody on a name if the NFL didn't have their sort of claws in the movie before it came out. And and how about that? How about that doctor? What's his name? Palman. Mm-hmm. I mean, does he does he kind of take a beating in it? And of course, he was the Jets doctor, of course. Um, <laughs> but does does he kind of is that who Albert Brooks plays? No, Albert Brooks plays the uh, the kindly older doctor administrator that's been helping Will Smith all along. Oh, okay. Who does Riser play? Oh, Riser plays Palman, doesn't he? I think yeah. He's the he's the doctor that's like in charge of the concussion protocol for the NFL. Who has like zero experience yeah. being a doctor in charge of concussion protocol. Yeah, he yeah. And of course, it, he worked for the Jets. Of course. In you know, same old Jets. At the <laughs> at the most, they portray some characters as giving some pretty good pushback. Right to this to this doctor's. Uh, Findings. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I, I suspect that many lawyers watched the movie first. They did. I mean, they absolutely did. But it's interesting yeah. to hear the players come out and say, like Jabrikashaw Ferguson said, "Well, I don't, you know," uh, or I think he said, "Like I, I watch it, and of course it made me think a lot." And other players like, "I don't have to watch it; I live it." You know, like I don't want to put that in my head and stuff like that. You know, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this since the Super Bowl. And this seemed to be a really violent NFL season, didn't it, Cal? A little bit. It felt like guys like were getting hurt at, at a much greater rate like every week. And maybe it's because I had the NFL ticket, so I was able to watch like four or five games at once. I feel like it's been going that way the last couple of years. Yeah, at some point, and now you have players retiring like at 28, 29, you know, after five or six years in the league and basically saying like that's enough. Like at some point, they're going to decide it's not worth it to play football. They are. Yeah. You know, it's not worth the money to, to especially guys that's like, you know, backup linebacker, or, you know, or somebody who's like not making a ton of money. Um. I think he's going to think of it as like, let me put in my three years or four years here and get out. You know, I, I, I yeah. it's it's a eighteen gazillion dollar whatever it is industry, but I don't know how it sustains. I don't know if at some point if the players are experiencing this much trauma post career, at some point they're going to stop playing. They're going to be like, it's not worth it. This is not worth it. Yeah. And the owners are getting richer and av- richer and richer. The avalanche of devastating uh, consequences has not happened yet. No, but it's coming. Yeah, there hasn't been uh, enough institutionalized older players uh, whose brains are rotting from within. Right, but it's coming. I mean, it is. It, it, in in ten years, it's it's difficult for me to see 
the league still existing, really, or existing the way it does. Like something's going to have to give. Because in 10 years, you're going to have players that played, you know, um, uh, 10, 15 years in the league that are going to have CTE at like age 40. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if it can sustain. I really don't. It's such, I mean, it's, 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 it's an incredibly violent sport. Um, uh, just a couple of things on the Oscars, Peach. Sure. Uh, what did you, what did you think of Chris Rock's monologue? I thought it was good. I, you know, I thought it was delivered like a monologue that was pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it wasn't slick. No. He, he had to restart a few jokes <laughs> to, yeah. to get the wording he wanted. Uh, but that's fine. You know, it's live. Clearly, um, yeah, clearly that wasn't material he had on the road for three months. No, no, and it was uh, Cal, it was good. Cal, do you think he went too far? I thought it was a bit much. Yeah, it was uncomfortable, but I think it was probably supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I don't think well, he can get. A, don't you I think? think do, you, do you think the focus of the monologue was was? Really, like you know, goodness, people, we do have bigger problems than this, don't we? You know, mentioning mentioning his grandmother hanging from a tree, and uh, you know, worrying about cops uh, shooting black moviegoers before they get to the theater and things like that. Yeah, see, that's the line that sticks with me. That was the line that 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 was my takeaway from the whole thing, and whatever the message was. That's the one that I keep I keep going back to. Right. And I think And I don't know I don't I that's just that's my opinion. I don't know if that was the intent. Right. That's what I think well, I think the intent was to overshadow the idea that this was a huge controversy. Yeah. I totally agree and I think in theory the idea of using that using those awful horrific things that you know uh, uh, that his grandmother went through, or or other um, uh, African Americans have gone through in this country, or whatever. Uh, juxtaposing them with not getting an Oscar vote um, was was smart and and clever, but he didn't hit. It just didn't hit right because the material to me wasn't honed enough. So I think that idea of like the 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 lynching and everything being juxtaposed against like and we're really making a big deal out of the Oscars mm-hmm. wasn't clear because it's such a loaded 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 image yeah you know that I I don't know if it hit but the but the other thing he said in the monologue guys that I thought was 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 supposed to hit that was you know this is the 88th Oscars yeah, that you know, was great. The, the other seventy-one that didn't have any any <laughs> black people nominated, like why wasn't that a problem? Like why are so we doing that this I? year? Yeah. yeah, you know, he's like, there's probably a good run in the '60s when Sydney didn't do anything. Like, <laughs> I, I thought that was a that was a line to follow to me. Hmm. You know, less than we're making too big a deal out of this. 
and 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 that unfortunately that image is is just it's hard to do comedy around it's hard 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 to be funny around because it's such a gruesome image mm-hmm. um but i think it was i think it was designed to make you uncomfortable i do i just think i agree cal i kind of missed the mark don't we have bigger yeah, that's what I think. Don't we, have, don't we have bigger things to worry, or we've worried about bigger things in the past than this crap, right? Because it's such a brazen, stark image. But I thought overall it was good, and I and I agree with you, Peach. I thought overall it was. Well, I, I, see, I, 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 I like that he left you with but... the uncomfortable part. I like that he left yeah. you with the thing that made you squirm, because yeah. it would have completely undermined anything he said if he lightened up and let you off the hook at the end. Yep. No, I agree. You know what I mean? So he ended with something heavy and sort of, oh, God. Right. You know? Right. And that, that way it sits there like a, like a big ravioli in your stomach. Right. The, uh, the Stacy Dash thing, I, I, I thought they were doing really well as a telecast addressing the pushback and addressing the quote-unquote controversy. Like the the video montage where they you know had black actors in the 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 films or whatever was great and mm-hmm. like that was a good bit and the, the monologue set the tone and I thought they were doing great and then bringing Stacy Dash out just landed like it changed it changed the tenor of the I don't, well, broadcast. You, know, you, you you have to be familiar enough with annoying pundits to know who the heck she is right now. Right. So that's A and B. It wasn't a funny usage of her. Like yeah. it wasn't. It, it, were you making fun of her? Was she making fun of herself? Like where? Where? What were you trying to do? She was making fun of her own comments on Black History Month. Right. Right. But it seemed smug, and it seemed like I'm not taking back what I said about Black History Month. Right. To me, you know, like I knew she had made those comments, and I knew why she was there. Yeah, and it was also rushed and delivered poorly. So it yeah. had that going for it too. <laughs> because she's a terrible actress. Yeah. But like the the just the 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 whole tone of it was like Rock set it up and he you know, he didn't set it up well and then she came out and she delivered it so poorly that Yeah. Everything after it, that kind of was ruinous for me a little bit, you know? <laughs> you have a room full of 10,000 white liberals going, "Who's that lady?" Yeah, <laughs> because she's a Fox News pundit that they don't watch, and they and she hasn't worked They'll in a movie, you know, fifteen right. years since Clueless, right? And so her coming yeah. out and saying Happy Black History Month is nobody, you know, or if they do get it, they're like, ew, are you making fun of a yourself? Silly choice, but 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 when you're trying to pull out all the stops, I mean, I think they right. probably called all of Black Hollywood to try and. Do something, you know, and right. they got who they got, who they could get on two and a half weeks' notice. Well, here, I mean, that's the other, that's my my other overall problem. Not problem. It just the whole the whole um, show seems so reactionary. Like, okay, we, yeah, like totally overcompensating. Like, okay, we get yeah. it. You 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 yeah. feel guilty about not nominating. To have the the president of the academy come out, right? Who, who happens to be African American? <laughs> right. Like, oh, we didn't nominate anybody. Well, guess what? Guess what? The president of the academy is black. How do you like us now? 
<laughs> some of my best friends. That was it. It was like a total some of our best presidents are black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, some of it just felt a little bit, uh, a little too much mea culpa. Yeah. Like, all right, we, gather we got yourselves. It. We-, <laughs> we got it. Cal, what did you think of the Lady Gaga, you know, Joe Biden, Lady Gaga, victims? I got to, I, you of, know, of abuse and... I'll be honest with you. I didn't see it. I didn't, I, okay. I, I, um, ironically, I was watching Spotlight during the Oscars. <laughs> wow. Were you doing that to be ironic? No. No, I was not. I just you you want to know the real reason? Sure. <laughs> it's such a stupid reason, but I um I received a gift from DirecTV for a free movie that I needed to use by February 29th. <laughs> and I knew that Sunday night was going to be my last opportunity to to watch this movie. Right. So Spotlight is the movie that I wanted to watch. Is it on demand? It is on demand, but it's pay-per-view. Oh. You got to pay for it. Yeah. Bless your cow. Right. So, uh, so I watched it was on Spotlight and doing laundry at the same time. So I was I had paused the movie to bring laundry into the bedroom where Allison was watching the Oscars. Right. She had since long since fa- fell fallen fell 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 to sleep. Norman fell asleep. <laughs> Please stop trying. <laughs> and she had um, Norman leered asleep. She, <laughs> she um when they announced the best picture nominee. Uh, oh okay. Winner. It was it happened to be like I walked in and they announced that you know spoiler, on pause spoiler alert. With, with spotlight on pause with spotlight on pause yeah. So I thought that the, was interesting. Uh, what do you think of the Gaga uh, thing, Peach? Um, I thought it ended well. I thought the, <laughs> okay. thought the last 60 seconds of it um, became powerful and pretty good. I thought she started from, some, from such a deep, overwrought place. Yes. That... It was really, but she pulled herself out of it. Yes. But, you know, for a second there, I felt like I was watching, I don't know, a German cabaret. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was really yeah, she, maudlin, really maudlin. I think she started way, I can't falter. It's an unbelievably emotionally loaded Topic yes. and she knows what's about to come out. Yes, like okay. She knows yes. how this is going to end with you know can't with, start with in tears. Forty, can't. you know, forty rape survivors coming out, right? Um, you know, to sing along with her to this ridiculously powerful song. Um, and and a really straightforward song. Like there's there's yes. no um. There's and I guess it's good, like it's, but it's a very like the song is like, hey, listen, suck it, you don't understand, <laughs> you know, go to no, hell. The song's you not, don't understand. It's not built like, around okay. nuance. No, <laughs> no, sir. No. But no, uh, but the ending the ending was in, in incredibly moving. Yeah, I thought. I I, I think she she just she 
I guess couldn't help herself, couldn't hold back the energy, and it just started a little strange in that, like, I hadn't seen that movie. Right. And, you know, here's Joe Biden, sort of like, this is serious, folks. Now here's my friend, Lady Gaga. And you're crying at the piano. Like, what's happening? <laughs> right. You're having an Adele moment? Did the, did the microphone fall in the piano again? What's <laughs> happening? Right. Why are you so sad? Yeah, it was a, it was a very, very... Um... Really, just uh, I guess loaded is the right word, and the movie that won Best Picture is is another example of it. Like, oof, between minorities yeah. and 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 you know uh, trying to for diversity, and then the, you had the the the, the victims, victims uh, yeah, the victims of abuse and 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 rape, and I mean, wow, mm-hmm. very very loaded up. And the Mad Max uh, people saying this could be our future. <laughs> right. You had you had some actual post-apocalyptic warnings on the Oscars. Right. The world will burn, people. Like, oh. Right. And we just filmed it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Good. Overall, overall, I thought it was. Um, I didn't see Spotlight. I haven't seen Spotlight yet. The only really picture I saw out of the best was the, the Big Short and The Martian. So, uh, and The Big Short was was fantastic. Big surprise for Mark Rylance for the for the best supporting. I was surprised by that. Great speech. Yeah, I think uh, I think everybody split the vote. I think they all split the vote, right? And he kind of snuck in there. Yeah, I feel that strong. Yeah. Because I thought for sure, um, um, what's his name? Um, hello, Sylvester yeah. Stallone. No, I actually thought that Christian Bale was going to win it. Oh, for the Big Short. Um, yeah, I really, I really did. He was fantastic. This guy's so good. Holy macaronis! Stallone could not win in a year so racially issue focused. Yeah, with that right, with that with that field, right. With that field, that, the movie's called Creed. <laughs> gave the Oscar to Rocky. Come on, <laughs> you can't. It's not a great look. It's not a great look. It's not a yeah. You just don't. That's not the way you do it. The optics. The optics are not super great on a movie called Creed about a African American <laughs> fighter, and the white guy who has eight lines gets the uh, gets the Academy <laughs> Award. Not a great look. It just is. We got to end this thing, boys, because we're going to run out of time. Yeah. Do what you got to do. It's science. Um, In Living Color? Are you trying to add diversity to this show? One more movie reference uh, before we go. Also saw Anomalisa. Oh. The Charlie Kaufman cartoon. R-rated. Wow. Very adult cartoon. Wow. Is it French? It's not. In, the, oh. in no way French. That's interesting. Were you in an art house today? Takes place in Cincinnati. That's there's nothing artistic about that. Yeah. Or French. Or French. <laughs> um I don't think the French are allowed in Cincinnati. <laughs> First hey, Charlie Kaufman movie I didn't love. And I was more shocked than anyone. You expected to love it? 
I love Charlie Kaufman, and this was, you know, uh, this animation looked great, and the animation is great. Right. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't, no, didn't, it didn't grab me. I looked at okay. it and I went, clever, and then I turned it off. Huh. I will alert Mr. Kaufman. Let him know. I don't, you know, it's me, it's not him. It just didn't just, click. Are you breaking up with him? <laughs> I want him to know that I'm I'm going to watch whatever he puts out next. I want him to know that. Right. It's not but you. I was, I'm a Lisa too. I was super <laughs> shocked. I was Did super shocked that? that I was not picking up my phone and going, Steve, oh, my God, and I'm Elisa. Oh, my God. I couldn't do it. I was like, no, there it was. Right. I didn't get a call. No call. You didn't get a call. Aren't you shocked now? I I, I do feel shocked. What if it's Amelisa too? Electric Boogaloo? Not what? more Lisa. And now <laughs> now I'm Lisa too, and now more Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> PJ, final unload. Final unload 43 years ago today. Pink Floyd released Dark Side of the Moon. I think I might have to check it out. I hear it's good. Overrated. Cal, final unload. Happy Super Tuesday, everybody. Now uh, just an ordinary Wednesday here in the East Coast. No politics. I'm just wishing everybody a happy Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. Super <laughs> Tuesday. She makes a mean lasagna. She sure does. Speaking of mean lasagnas, I don't know where I was going with that one. That was the food I was going to discuss. Did you say mean lasagnas or me and lasagnas? Speaking of mean lasagnas. Oh. We <laughs> get back to Garfield. Next week, I want to talk about the best lasagna you have ever eaten. Uh, but I, I want to save my final note for uh, happy birthday, Cal. Last week, you're the first of 42. Hope it was a great well, day. So, I'm not the first in this room. No. No, PJ is the first to, to oh, most of these years. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. We will uh, see you next week for Brian Calvi and PJ Cachopo. I'm Steve Sampietro. Thank you for tuning in to Ready to Win the Week. I was at number 257. Peace, Cliff and Marmaduke. It's going to be great. And Amelisa. Heathcliff is going to be great. we got great cats. You're going to love our cats. Charlie Kaufman's writing. And more Lisa. <laughs> and now more Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> and now more Lisa. <laughs> Good night.